the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 57, and our guest is Matt Woods. Matt is a singer and songwriter based in Nashville. His latest record is called Natural Disasters. It came out in 2019, and it's absolutely outstanding. This episode came about because I had the pleasure of being on a local Orlando radio station, the State of the Scene show, hosted by my friend Frankie Messina, and Matt was also on the show that day. I've been a fan of his music for a long time and briefly met him, but we never really had a chance to sit down and chat, so we agreed to talk, and the day before, I decided that it was probably time I self-quarantined due to the COVID-19 virus. Matt came over to the house over here to Marinade Studios. And we recorded over two hours of conversation. It was just so much fun and we kept rolling. I'll release the other part as a Patreon exclusive uh, episode, which I'll talk about at the end of the show during the What I'm Getting Down On segment. Uh, But this was just so much fun and I'm so grateful for Matt's time. Matt's an easy guy to talk to and uh, I had such a blast talking about music, creativity, and, and so much more. You can find all things Matt Woods at therealmattwoods.com. Everyone, my conversation with Matt Woods. You get high in a center block building out River Road. We all know where lights stay low. Walk around back into the bank and start sinking down. And quietly. Stop and think about it, it'll drive you down. Don't you dare to doubt it, son, we're nowhere bound. There's no road out of a drive through town. It's a drive through town. Stop and think about it, it'll drive you down.
That's yeah. so interesting. So I always, I always try to make sure that people who have been really good to me, I'm right, take, right, take care of the people who have been good to me. When when you you mentioned and we talked about this the other night, so thank you so much for coming to Chris's art show. By the way, yeah, that man. was so cool for everybody listening. Everybody awesome. knows how excited I've been about her show and like how much you know work she's put into it and. So it meant a lot to for, that, that you stopped by, and mm-hmm. and we ended up having this wonderful conversation that I wish I would, would have been recording <laughs> then. <laughs> and that's the way it always is, isn't right? It? Like, <laughs> All the magic happens when the mics aren't on, you know. Right. Um, but one of the things that we talked about, and you just kind of mentioned it, was <coughs> when you started out and how you were hustling, and 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 that very early on you made the decision like I'm gonna go all in on this music right. thing. Can you talk about that decision and like what went into that making that decision? Yeah, uh, well I mean at the time I was, at the time I was um, finishing up college or just out of uh, college and waiting tables. So the decision was, wasn't was too, uh, wasn't too hard to make. It's like, oh I'm gonna give up this career of waiting tables. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it, it, but it walk, walk away from the glamour that the is glamour that was Ruby Tuesday. You know? <laughs> um, but uh, basically, it just sort of it happened pretty organically. I ended up, you know, uh, just getting a foot in the door in the um, Knoxville kind of like local Knoxville scene, and at the time there were uh, tons of places booking you know, acoustic solo guys or, or duos or whatever to play music for several hours a night, you know, in the corner mm-hmm. of the bar. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was, there was far more of that going on in Knoxville at that time than there is, uh, these days. Um, so as I kind of like, as I got a foot in the door in, into that scene <clears throat> by showing up at other guys shows and then, you know, they'd maybe ask me to play on their set breaks and then maybe eventually fill in a show and, I started booking my own shows, and the more, the more work I found playing music uh, in in these bars that were booking the acoustic guys all the time, it the decision kind of made itself. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it got to a point I was playing more night playing more nights of the week uh, than shifts I was working waiting tables, and mm-hmm. so like, why am I, you know why am I going into wait tables on a Saturday afternoon for three or four hours when I've spent the last two nights out playing music, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was easy to do that. That was, and, but it was pay. Like, it was paying well enough. Yeah, certainly. That's great. Yeah. I, I don't think that's you know, most people's experience. Yeah. And I, and I well, I don't, I'm not sure that would be the experience now. That's, yeah. that's the funny thing. I had a conversation with, uh, Sean Holcomb. Sean's here in Orlando. We, we had a conversation about, this very thing just the other night, you know, and I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if it's just a matter of like time and place, but it it was a good many years ago, you know, in in Knoxville, but there was this, you know, there was this sort of like local economy market and this sort of thing where lots and lots of the bars that kind of like locally owned, you know, sports bars or, or, you know, the occasional like casual dining restaurant with a patio or something like that. They were, they were booking a lot of entertainment and, uh, paying a reasonable rate for that, you know? Um, since then, I feel like some of that has, has gone away. Um, you know, hey. in, in part, uh, Hey, leave it. 
<laughs> no problem. L- little puppy destruction going on. Seriously. You're a little natural disaster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, everybody. No, no. <clears throat> but, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think one of the things that sort of contributed to that change is um, musicians, especially when they're kind of starting out, and especially in Knoxville, which was is a college town. Right. Um are just eager to get out and play. Yeah. So I, I can put my finger on like a couple of acts um, about that time who started to sort of show up on the scene as like young guys in college with a, with guitars and a handful of songs and some, you know, buddies or fraternity brothers or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, we'd love to play on your Wednesday night for a bar tab or something. Right. And the bars are like, wait, wait a minute. You'll play for what? <laughs> and we're paying these guys a decent, decent wage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, oh, that's, 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 I think that's only one element of the thing. I get, but it changed. It changed. Right. And I, it would be harder to make a living, a decent living doing that now. Yeah. Uh, than it was 20 something years ago. Well, it's criminal. What, what people get paid around here like i mean i know and you know a lot of these folks too plenty of folks who are really good songwriters who play almost every night you know they've got a mm-hmm. different gig somewhere almost every night and like they all work full-time jobs yeah right you know and it just it, it's crazy to me to think that you can just go on a wednesday or whatever and see jordan foley or whoever yeah. you yeah. know and and that 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 the the bars are just I mean it's fucking criminal <laughs> like it's crazy how little now that I've kind of gotten in it a little bit right and and started to have those conversations with people in, and people that book bands and the mm. people booking it are like look man I'd love to pay more yeah I just don't have more well that's and that's the truth of it I've been on both sides of it too because I was booking a music venue in Knoxville mm. for a while um, yeah that's that's the truth I mean a lot of time the the it's just the the budget isn't there yeah to put to spend a lot you know yeah. on entertainment especially if you want to have a lot of entertainment and you know i think having live entertainment in a in a bar setting like like i saw jordan's show at the imperial the other night that's yeah. a great place to hang out and you want to have yeah. someone singing and presenting some uh some music you know mm-hmm. especially like a strong songwriter like jordan right but i mean what can be expected? I think there were probably, you know, twenty or twenty-five of us in there. Mm-hmm. You know, and having been in the bar business too, I know what those numbers are like. Right. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky thing. Um, I eventually ended up moving away from you know playing several nights in my hometown uh, to taking the show on the road, and that's that's how it. You know, as as what I was doing became uh, less of a guy in the corner entertaining people for three to four hours, and mm-hmm. I playing a lot of covers and stuff like that, and and, and the focus turned toward my music and making records and putting bands together, and then touring some with those bands and everything like that. It was um, the next step was logically like you know, I have to take this show on the road and start traveling because there's only so many nights you right. can present that show in one market, you know? Right. 
without without burning people out. When you were and when you're doing those early gigs and you are playing a lot of covers, are you writing your own stuff at the time? Yeah, a lot or what? Like, what did that look like? I was writing. <clears throat> I was writing well before I ever started doing that. I'm, I was writing songs, you know, the whole time. I from from the time I was a teenager, mm. uh, all through my like university years and everything like that. But um. But yeah, it was it was a bit disproportionate then. Like if the if the show was a three hour show, you you get maybe thirty minutes of, of original music because yeah. that's what I felt I had, you know, um, that was of a quality oh, uh-huh. to share, you right? Know? Um, and and probably to be honest, I wasn't writing uh, as frequently. I like as I've gotten older, um, my writing has become far more frequent i would worry but i would get hung up you know as a young songwriter I would get uh, hung up on like you know is this song unique enough or uh, like i don't want to i don't want to this sounds like a this sounds like a thing that you know pearl jam was doing uh-huh. you know? <laughs> right but um once i quit overthinking overthinking every piece of every song and just let the song start to come out on their own, they started coming far more frequently. And then you, you get it, you get it out there and then you kind of like whittle it down and sand it and hone it and, you know, try to make it the best song it, it'll be. And some of them still never really, uh, some of them still never make it out. Like I'll, I'll, there are always a few songs that get finished that never really come to the surface and make it into the live shows or make it into the records. And they're just demos sitting somewhere that, kind of got shelved how do you make that decision how do you know whether it is of the quality that you want to to then present to the world a lot of the time for me it's um a lot of the time for me it it just kind of it just kind of happens you Mm -hmm. know like sometimes i think a lot of us are always super excited to get new songs you know Mm -hmm. and i'll get new songs and especially in a solo acoustic songwriter setting, mm-hmm. I'll try them out, you know, like, uh-huh. I'll try them. I'll wait and I'll wait till just the right moment at the right show. And when I can sneak one of the new ones in and start to see how it feels live. And because I don't really know, I don't really know any, I don't know how I feel about the songs until I start to play them live. That's great. Um, so I'll sneak it in, I'll play it. And, <laughs> and some of them just kind of like naturally fall away you know, I'll find myself in shows and and maybe think, oh, should I play this one? And just not really want to for whatever reason or play it but feel it not quite land, you mm. know, with people. Mm-hmm. So those, that's kind of how sometimes they fall away. Sometimes they just fall away because I forget. <laughs> like, I'm just, <laughs> you know, I don't play something for long enough. And then it's like, oh, there was, there was this. <clears throat> that's interesting. As a, uh, as a matter of fact, I was with uh, my friend Dave DeWitt, who uh, recorded most of the most of the albums I've released under my uh, own name. Most of the Matt Woods records I recorded in Knoxville with Dave um, at his place. The last one, notwithstanding, I did the last one, the Natural Disasters record with Joey Knizer in Nashville. But I was home. I was back in East Tennessee over the holidays, and I'm hanging out with Dave. And he has, he's moved, so there's a new studio, and we're hanging out, you know. And he's showing me his new pad and everything. 
and we're just listening to kind of files that were saved. He's like, and he brings up the fact that he has a bunch of my stuff just on a drive, you know. Um, for every record, I always record more than I'll need than I need or and or release. Okay. So we started listening to these tracks that he has on a drive that, and literally, I had literally forgotten about you know to yeah it's been it's been two or three years three or four years in some cases and he's like man i think you should put this one out sometime and he plays it and, and uh, i'm like oh man you know i forgot that was a, i forgot that was a song you wow know, because once the record came out you know i was on the road supporting the record playing the songs that made the that made the cut and the handful that didn't make it kind of fell by the wayside not not because I don't like them, just because it wasn't feasible to put out a 17-track record. You so know? do you think that one would, would resurface in some way? I mean, do you think you I think so. Uh, I think so at some point. I, but the, the question is how. You right, know, how right. does that resurface? Because I'm always right, writing new mm-hmm, stuff. And, mm-hmm. and uh, like I said, you're always in love with the new stuff. So then right. you start to collect, you know, these trimmings. Uh I hate to say it that way because it doesn't. I don't know. I, I feel like to call them trimmings, it makes it, it makes them sound somehow like lesser than right, right. Yeah, and I don't feel That's that. That's not way. what you mean, though. I don't feel that way about yeah. the songs. It's just you know, for example, for example, this, and I can't remember the name of the song. The, the <laughs> one song in particular, I'm thinking, I can't even remember the name of it. Uh, but we went in to the sessions for uh, the How to Survive record. Uh-huh. And that record came out October of 16. So it was, say, December of 15, January of 16, we were working on that record. We were in this, we took 19 tracks into that, into the sessions and released a 12 song record. Wow. You know? Yeah. And of the, so of those seven that got cut, I think five or six of them got finished and I was pretty happy with most of the ones like one of them didn't get finished because the studio like it just the the vibe wasn't feeling right oh interesting the vibe on the song wasn't feeling right so we abandoned it before we finished it but the other ones we finished um completely you know completely tracked completely mixed um and and we were happy with it's just when we put together the the album and the the way the songs would work together, keeping in mind how how many minutes uh, will fit on vinyl. Oh, uh-huh. Um, we had to cut some of them. Interesting. Has that always been a consideration? Or is that a um, more recent thing with the sort of wave of vinyl, the resurgence of vinyl? It's it's always been a consideration to, <clears throat> to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first the first like Matt Woods record that mm-hmm. I did post like rock and roll bands was uh, I, it never got released on it never got released on vinyl vinyl you know while I've always collected vinyl mm-hmm. it, it hadn't really come back into popularity in the way it has in recent years that album came out in uh, 2011 so Mm. The consideration was, <clears throat> at that time, uh, t- how to put an album together without it feeling 
so long that people lose interest. Um, but you know, in the in the compact disc format or whatever you have, you know, I, I don't even know the minutes now. Like you feel like seventy something minutes, I think on okay. on um, compact disc. So so you didn't have the only concern was like how much time are people people willing to spend with this album? Yeah. Not necessarily how much time like can I physically like literally put on this format. Mm-hmm. Right. But then yeah, then with the with uh with the Brushy Mountain record, that was the first one we put out on uh I pressed to vinyl and even at that um the cd version has an additional song has one more oh song interesting than the, than the vinyl that, man so much i want to talk about now like the don't going back to the idea of of a song not sort of you not knowing whether it is of the quality that you want to put out in the world until you've played it for people yeah um do you give do you give the song a couple of chances though? Because what if yeah, you certainly. catch a room that's just like dead that night or right. something, you know, or doesn't land with them? Right. It isn't. Yeah, it isn't like solely how people react to the song sure. that made them. It's sometimes just how I feel about uh, it. You uh-huh, know, uh-huh. like uh, I'm not I'm not gonna say which song it is because I don't want people to. I sure. Don't, I don't want to. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, yeah. there there's a song. I've loved on the new album. Uh-huh. I loved it from the moment I wrote it, but then like it just we we were playing it live some, and uh, and the rest of the band loved it and felt really good about it. Like in that live setting, uh-huh. the audience the audience liked it, uh, and the band enjoyed playing it, but it just never quite felt right to me. So gonna be really rare for someone to for someone to hear it live yeah so that's sometimes what happens wow with the songs is like you know i just fall like they fall out of the set because it doesn't quite feel right to me for some reason and and if they fall out of the set that makes it easier for them to kind of fall by the wayside because you know like i said i forget I forget things yeah. after, after a while. Well, then you've been doing it for so long and you have so many songs now. You know, you have all these records and you have so many songs. Yeah. Like, it's got to be difficult when you're putting together a set list, for example. Yeah. I assume it's going to be heavy on the new record, but still, there's, you know, songs that people have fallen in love with from 10 years ago that right. they're, they're coming to the show hoping to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, how does that consideration, like, uh, what do you well, do about I, that? I, pre- I prep for that. Uh, Sometimes, you know, like I try to rotate, I try to bring, bring the old songs back and kind of like with every band tour, band tours are a little different than the solo thing because, uh, it isn't, I don't necessarily always have the same group of guys first yeah. of all, you know, yeah. I've got a handful of guys who will tour with me. So to go out on the road and do say a month or six weeks of band tour, um, I pretty much try to decide which songs, which songs will be in the song pool for those sets. Um, the sets are sometimes, you know, we might have a 30 minute 
festival feature or a right. 45 minute opening slot or a headlining slot or whatever. So the song pool has to be big enough to cover whatever our longest potential set would be. Uh, so that said, it always does lean a little heavy on the new stuff because we're trying to get people turned on to the new records as they come out. Uh, but with every tour, I try to change it up enough so people aren't getting the same show. If we come through a town, you know, twice in a year, I, I want those shows to be different. And, and I want some of the songs that, you know, I've loved or the bands loved or the fans have loved to, uh, to not completely disappear, you know? So, yeah. But you know, that, that means, that means not only are those guys sometimes brushing up on old stuff, but so am I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I played, uh, I played Snapmore Mary, um, from the Brushy Mountain record last Monday at Little Indies. And I knew I wanted to play that cause Matt Burke was on and we were talking about story songs and I'm like, ah, oh, it would be really good to play Snack Bar Mary and the Tim, or Snack Bar Mary and the Tim Pin Priest. But I had to, I had to refresh myself on it. Right. It's been out of this. That song's been out of the set now for over a year at this point. So, right. So right. I'm like, okay, I think I, I think I can. <laughs> but it would be embarrassing to think I could do it and then be on stage and forget the third verse or something. Right. <laughs> like, right. Oh shit. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah um the i love the new record it's my favorite of yours thanks man um, yeah I, I like all your stuff but it, it is my favorite and you mentioned earlier the the switch um you made the other records with your buddy mm-hmm. um uh dave and then uh the new one is uh, is with joey can you talk who's just a fascinating individual dude to me. joey's joey's <laughs> awesome for folks listening go just i, I I guess I could put it. I don't know how he spells his last name, but Kniser K N uh, K N E I S E R. Yeah, and and then it'll auto correct if we got that wrong. Yeah. But um, if you don't, if you're not familiar with his work and you're listening to this, go look that up because yeah. he just Joe's what amazing. a fascinating dude. What was that process look like working with him, especially since you, the other records, you know, you kind of you establish a relationship at some point, right, right. with somebody. So yeah, yeah. What was it like working with him? It was great. Uh, it was, and you're right about the relationship I had with Dave. We had we had worked on so many records together, and we'd been in a band together before, and, yeah. and everything like that. But Joey and I um, had also been friends for for some time, and uh, I was excited he when he I was excited when he uh, brought up the idea of maybe working on a record because awesome. in my in my head I was like I want to ask Joey Kneiser if he wants to make my record. But he, you know, he stays super busy, and he had a, right. a film project on his plate, and <laughs> the, every, the most recent one that, yeah, the Mr. Presto, so wild, man. <laughs> uh, what's interesting is he, I went over, he invited me to his house for, uh, for dinner one night, and he was telling me about the film project, yeah, uh, and we were t- we were talking about that, and in my head, I'm like, okay, shit. I wanted I wanted to ask him about making a record, but it looks like he's gonna be busy for a while. Yeah. And, uh, but that night, organically, he's like, "Hey, man, you should you we should we should make a record." I'm like, "Oh, yes, <laughs> score! You brought, you brought it up. That's awesome." <laughs> so, but yeah, so it worked out. It worked out That's great. That's awesome, like the, man. The, you know, he made he got the he made the film, and uh, he and his wife had a had a baby. And wow. Then, and then. 
things settled down just enough when I had some music ready and I was ready to make a record. He uh, things had settled down and he was in the position to do it. So I couldn't have been happier. Um, but I've been a fan. I'm a fan of the music. I'm a fan of all those like glossary albums oh and God. the work he did with Austin Lucas. It's yeah. Uh, so it was it was cool. It was it was a fun you know it was a fun vibey you know sessions. They were That's awesome. Uh, something that was different this time around. Uh, having been on the road with the band um, quite a bit, you know, I'd been I'd had the band on the road more. Uh, between between the time we made uh, How to Survive and the time we made Natural Disasters, I've been touring with, with the band. Leading up to How to Survive, I was hardly, I hardly ever took a band on the road. Oh, interesting. Before, before you know, fall of 15. And it was December 15 we started making that record. So there was no kind of... Uh, there, we hadn't really worked on any of these songs in any sort of like live setting going into the studio to make How to Survive. But it was a little bit different with na- the Natural Disasters record because even though we hadn't been playing a lot of the new songs live, we had been playing kind of as a band, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, throughout the throughout that year um, leading up to this, leading up to the recording. So. Um, so we were able to get in a room and, and do all the pre-production and the rehearsals for the, for the album and then, um, and then set up and record live. Awesome. Uh, you know, obviously with, with overdubs and stuff like sure. that, but, but the bulk of the bulk of the songs were recorded in, you know, in Joey's basement studio live. That's just I, I'm so I wish I could have been there for that. Like that just That's seems so like fun, man. such a good time. It just yeah. seems like such a blast. Yeah, I, I got to meet that guy and hopefully get him on the show. Like, yeah, for sure. Those glossary records. I mean, I just can't. I never get tired of them. Oh man, you know exactly. Never ever. They're great. Um. Yeah. Here, here's the here's something. Here's what's funny. I've met Joey. He was in glossary and um, Artie. He was living in Murfreesboro at the time. Can't remember the year, you know. Mm-hmm. It's probably <clears throat> mid two thousands or something when we first met. But I'd known of Joe Kneiser, uh since I was in high school because he went to high school one town over from me and and lived in an apartment with one of my buddy. My buddy lived in an apartment with him and his sister when they were all just kid, like seventeen year old kids. And uh, so I'd seen him play in his high school band. Oh, a bunch wow. of times, having never uh, hung out or met, uh, wow. met each other. Yeah, that's it's wild. Kinda, it's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. You so seem to have a lot of those, couple like... of East Tennessee, <laughs> East Tennessee boys. Yeah, there's so, well, there's some. I mean, there's just so much music, and I mean, East Tennessee is it, it's just dripping with yeah, with man. that kind of music, you know. And yeah. I'm just reading some today about about Bristol and. Um, just, just how many, I mean, you go all the way back to Jimmy Rogers and all these amazing, um, kind of foundational artists, you know, the Carters and yeah. all this shit. And, and then now it's like, it seems like every, every band I listen to is from East Tennessee, yeah. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, there's oh. something about the hills, maybe. Seriously, you know? I wonder what that. Yeah, that would be a fun thing to to examine. You know, I, I have read a little bit about it, but that'd be a fun thing to kind of go down that road and figure out what it is about. I think also the lifestyle. You know, there's a lot to sing about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot to write about and yeah. a lot to sing about. Yeah. Um, speaking of writing, so now you mentioned kind of that you're as you get older, your process has changed a little bit. Like, are you are you a sit down and do the work? everyday kind of person does it happen when it happens uh, it's a little bit of both mm-hmm. i'm not every day um but then sometimes I, I get i get bummed out about myself for not being disciplined enough <laughs> to, to get up and work mm-hmm. every day um a lot of times it, it happens when it happens or at least the the spark or the the um inspiration mm-hmm. for a song or something will happen and hopefully when that when that does occur, hopefully I'm at a, you know, in, in the sort of circumstance where I can kind of nurture it and sit down and see what, see where it leads. Yeah. Uh, otherwise I, I have a phone full of notes and, you know, like voice notes okay. and little melodies and whatever. And that's, <clears throat> and I, I carry those into the moments when I actually get up and, and make a point to yeah. work. I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend, I'm going to try to start spending some time, like first thing in the morning, getting up and working on some of these songs, whenever I'm home and able to do that, whenever I'm still for an, an amount of time and not just waking up and getting in a car and driving. Is it the phone? You mentioned the phone. Is it, are you then having to write it down or like it does, does the, does the sort of, the vehicle matter? Like, do you have a notebook that you that you write songs in? Um, sometimes. So, I, I was always I was always the person to handwrite everything and kept notebooks and all of the notebooks, uh, and very hesitant to sort of mm-hmm. move mm-hmm. into uh, into this relate. digital yep. digital world. Um, I, I would I would say you know I'm becoming more. Uh, reliant on the digital, uh-huh. on the digital right now. But um, are, does that bother you? Are you okay with that? Not really. Yeah, you're not, <laughs> it, it doesn't bother you. Or you're not okay. With no, it? I'm not really okay. Like, <laughs> Is that some kind of hang up? I don't know. I don't know. Because I, mean, I think I, it's dude, kind I of an age totally thing. Totally relate. I can 100 percent relate. Like yeah. I always have my notebook on me. I'm always writing down ideas. Yeah. Um, I've got notebooks all over this fucking studio. Yeah. As you see, I mean, there's questions that i wrote for you that of course i as i always do i just completely threw out the window and we started talking <laughs> um that and then this is actually chris got me this <coughs> she painted that on there nice it's, it's me as a jaguar playing guitar that's perfect i know right but um this was supposed to be for me to write songs in right because right? i dabble and um i really like to well i've written one yeah <laughs> you know yeah in this now i've got ideas all over the place, including increasingly now on my phone. Yeah, they're more. I, I still believe. Uh, I still believe if I write things down, even if I initially put them in the phone, if I can eventually like take it from the phone to uh, to pen and paper. Uh huh. Um, even if it's already completed, even if I've already sorted out, there's something nice to be said about having, having like a digital copy of something uh-huh. on your phone is stored somewhere, hopefully yeah. somewhere that's going to be secure enough that it doesn't get, you know, lost in a 
fire or something. Right, right. Uh, but I find I find it sticks in my head better. Like ideas stick better when I can write them down. Um, There's science behind that too. Yeah, it's there's it, research behind that. It's easier for me to commit songs to memory uh, if I've written the lyrics down rather right. than rather than putting them in. And I should do a better, or I used to do a better job, and I st- should maybe try to do a better job now. Even like the, I have hundreds upon hundreds of notes in my like notes app in my phone that that are only one line or two or three lines or just an idea that get completely lost until I sit down and then scroll through all of them. Right. Um, and I feel like if I jotted those down, like on a bar napkin or something, they might stick a little better. Well, that's, I might get around to working on them sooner. And you know what else might happen? That is so this guy, was on my show, C.H. Yeah. Hooks. Are you familiar okay. with him? No, I'm not. Um, this book is amazing, and I highly recommend. Alligator um, Zoo Park Magic. Yep. And uh, it's a very, it's a, it, 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 if Joey Kniser could be a character in this, I feel like. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, I don't know if that makes sense, but right. just it's a, it's a wacky tale, and it's, and he's a great writer and a real good dude. But he talked to me about the fact that, like, I was, you know, I have all those notebooks up there. Those are all just for years and years of collecting those notebooks that I carry around in my pocket. Right. And I was telling him how sometimes I don't revisit those things and there might be great ideas in some of that stuff. Um, sometimes I revisit it, but I, I don't have, I, I don't have a great system. Um, my system right now is I put stickers on the notebooks and then those stickers are from particular times in my life. Uh And so that's how I know where that notebook was or like what I was right, doing right, right? so if, if I need to ret- re- return to it um, but that's kind of a not a great system for <laughs> it's not really a great filing system and what he was saying is he's like what you ought to do is you write it down right um, mm. because you like doing that and because it makes the connection but then discipline yourself to set aside time maybe it's once a week maybe it's every other day right to then transpose that into, into a, a document or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, that you, can, that you can catalog and right. Write. That would make so much sense. I don't do that. No, I right. Don't, I don't <laughs> but do maybe we should do like, that. Probably. Probably. <laughs> um, we had such a fun conversation the other night at, at Chris's art show and you were telling, I don't know how we got on this, but we started talking about like bands that we'd seen and like oh, yeah. cool shows that we'd seen. And you were telling me about, a couple of things that just blew my mind. And one of them was the touring Lollapalooza in the nineties. Oh yeah. What was, I can't, I'm trying to remember the year. It was either 90 is 96 or 97. Um, Lollapalooza was, was still touring, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and they didn't, they, they didn't come to, to Knoxville, but they came, they, there was a, I don't know. There was a field. It was a giant field. Maybe they have other events out there. I don't really know. So they come, it was in Newport, Tennessee. It was called Forks of the River, I think, or something, something like that. Mm-hmm. In Newport, Tennessee, which is you know about midway between Knoxville and uh, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. But it was it was such a massive lineup. It was Metallica on either load or reload. One yeah. Of the, you know, short hair, first short hair records. Uh-huh. It was Metallica, Soundgarden, 
uh, Rancid, the Ramones, Rage Against the Machine, Screaming Trees, the Shaolin Monks. Was that the one you said Jane's Addiction was at? No, that was 05. They were 05, I think, maybe 04, 04, Mm -hmm. 05. Uh, that one was, I saw in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, and it was whatever, whatever people could look this up. It's whatever year Jane's addiction came back onto Lollapalooza and yeah. it may also be the last year it toured. Oh, uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that lineup was amazing too. It was, uh, Jane's addiction, uh, Queens of the Stone Age. Wow. Audio slave, the Donna's J five. That's right. Uh, yeah. You were telling me how you saw You've seen Rage. You've seen Audio Slave. And Soundgarden. And Soundgarden. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I never got to see Cornell solo. Yeah. But I love those solo records. That Euphoria Morning record. Oh, my God. Is, it's, just, oh, it's an amazing. Stunning. It's stunning, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw him. I think I mentioned this the other night, but for folks listening, I saw Cornell. I saw Soundgarden like a month before he passed. Um, they played... Um, in Jacksonville, the Welcome to Rockville Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was rough. You know, I was ready yeah. to tell he wasn't right. Really? It's really a bummer to... I'm glad I got to see him, you know, but... It was like the... What was that? The 25th anniversary of Super Unknown or something? Yeah. that tour? It was that tour, yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure. I think that's the tour yeah. they were on when... when yeah. Um, boy, I didn't mean to bring it to that. But um, what... What are the, like, you're clearly a fan of, of music. Sure. Also, um, when you're, when you're there at a show, um, and these are all, I guess what's interesting about this conversation is that all of those bands are, are not necessarily bands that would, that would fit in the, the, the genre, so to speak of what you do now. Right. Right. Um, but when you're going to a show like that, are you able to just completely decompress and enjoy that show? Or are you, are you thinking about it on a different level? Um, no. Yeah. I probably don't completely. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Sorry. (laughs) I probably don't completely decompress. It it can be different. Like working at your work. Yeah. It, it is different seeing like bands, um, bands I love, you know, from, in, from in different genres do their thing. There's a little less, uh, uh-huh. there's a little less kind of like, um, critical observance going uh-huh. on or whatever. Um, I don't know, man. Have, have you, have you like done service industry like waited tables bartender or something like that not really very little i i've kind of like bar backed and that kind of thing here and there helped out but i've never had a steady service industry job any uh, you can ask any of your any of your service industry friends i'm sure they'll agree like anyone who's worked in like food service if you go out to dinner you notice everything right 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 uh, good, bad, or otherwise—you notice right. all of that. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing with with me. Like some of the some of the magic is gone, you know. Yeah, which is I don't know. I I try not to let it all go away because I am a fan of music and I do like love to just kick back and and enjoy a show or enjoy a record without without you know picking apart exactly what's going on. You know, yeah, exactly what's going on in the in the recording. Like, oh, I don't know, it sounds a little compressed, it's uh, a little uh-huh. squashy, and uh-huh. whatever. Uh, sometimes, sometimes, just try to shut my brain down and 
listen to the fucking song and you know, <laughs> like just listen to the song and have fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think I'm with you know with bands I with bands I admire um, outside of the quote unquote Americana right. genre. It's it's a little easier. bit it's a little bit easier, but it never completely goes away. There's still kind of like aspects of like the show production, you know, right? Kind of like noting because I would think all within the you know within the Americana vein that it would be so. It would, it would be difficult not to also want to learn, right? So when yeah, you're certainly. going to see some, especially the people that are that are great at it, right? Mm-hmm. You're yeah. you're gonna want to pick up tricks from them and that kind yeah. of thing. So, I know, like, I mean, I guess the the closest analog for me would be podcasts. And um, I when I listen to Brian Koppelman, who's who's got my favorite podcast at the moment, um, I can enjoy it. I do enjoy it but I'm also trying to rip him off as much as possible. You know, like I'm like trying to learn from his style and the way that he approaches the craft. Um, so I am, but I am able to really enjoy it and get lost in it. But at the same time, I'm like, teach me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. Right. Yeah. There's, there's certainly an element. There's certainly an element of that. And following that train of thought, what are, what are you consuming at the moment in terms of art? Like, what are you reading or watching or listening to? What What's got you fired up? Um, I'm nearly finished with uh, with an audio book by Eric Larson, "The Splendid and the Vile." Okay, uh, which is a history. Uh, it's, I do a lot of audio books okay. these days. I tra- like driving; it's great, yeah. and um, you know, spending hours behind the wheel or those are often hours I maybe would have used to sit and read <laughs> right, <laughs> that, I, right. that I no longer have. Um, so I've been listening to that. That's about the, um, the world war two London air raids and Churchill mm-hmm. during that. Some that I'm also, I am like sitting reading, um, Harry Cruz, a collection of nonfictions called blood and grits. Mm. Um, that's great. You've got that's. See, I don't. I don't do audio books, and I think I ought to, because mm-hmm. um, you can do both. Like some, I don't have any of them in here right now. But I'm reading. If you look at my nightstand, I've got ten books. Right. right? Like, and there's books. There's a book in the bathroom that I'm, you know, picking at, and right. there's like, that's not really odd. But there's like bo- <laughs> books all over the house that I've, I'm a hundred pages into or whatever. Right. right? And usually I'm good about focusing but i do feel like increasingly and maybe it's the internet i don't know maybe it's my phone where i'm increasingly picking up more things and not focusing on the one book yeah yeah Yeah. that that might be a thing that's Mm -hmm. uh, the the way we direct our attention is certainly changing right you know uh i try to make a point and you know the whole sort of like smartphone, social media, constant, you know, uh, accessibility, the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it affects everybody. It affects, it affects right. even those of us who are like conscious of it. Yeah. And we're aware of, of it's happening. It's still, I fall, yeah. I fall into kind of to like look at them. If I'm home, if I'm watching a movie on Netflix, like check the phone, look at the phone for a minute, you know? Yes. I did it last night. I'm not one of the people who, um, 
just does both. Like I try to, especially when it comes to, especially when it comes to consuming, you know, um, media, you know, or, or somebody's art, like watching a film or, or reading a book or whatever. I try to give whatever, you know, I try to give whatever I'm into my attention yeah. at the time. And then I feel like shit. If I allow myself to get distracted, I feel yes. guilty. Like I yes. fucked up. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I totally relate. Yeah. Cause most of my life I had a, a big film fan, mm-hmm. you know, I had a, before everything switched to, before everything switched to uh, kind of the streaming format, I was one of that was one of the people with just a wall full of DVDs. I could yeah. have opened my own like country side, you know, country <laughs> corner, you know, video store, and I would uh, I would watch several movies a week. You know, often it would be the way I would, you know, wind down the day, just turn off all of the lights, turn the volume loud, you yeah, know, just enjoy a movie, and. Uh, you know, then increasingly I noticed the, the distractions would, would pop up, you know, yeah. I, would, I would start watching a movie at the end of the night, but also have my laptop open and be working on booking. And, uh-huh. and it got to a point I would have to, uh, it got to a point I, I made myself stop working at whatever hour. Cause when you're working for yourself and you're working from home and you feel like you're never caught up and you can't ever get, you can't caught, ever up, get caught up, you know, you can stare at a computer all night. Yep. You know, that, uh, that's also not healthy, not healthy. So I it got to a point I'm like, okay, this is, this is the hour at which I close my laptop right. and sit down and enjoy a movie because you know, that downtime's important too. It's important for your mental health. You Absolutely. Know? And, it, you know, and what I used to do, I used to have specific things that, <laughs> specific practices that would allow me to decompress in that way. So mm-hmm. I'm a runner, for example, and I would run as that decompression. But, dude, I listen to a fucking podcast every time I run now, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. or I'm streaming music. Right. Um, and, and I don't ever, and I used to be religious about it. I don't ever practice yoga anymore. Oh yeah. Like I got to get back on it. Cause I know I'm better when I do it, right. you know? Um, but, and, and I do think, like, I think this is, I mean, this is like a confession here in the moment. Like, I really do think that I'm getting bad about my phone. Um, yeah. and like last night I was watching, um, the outsider on, uh, oh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, no, yeah, tell me I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Okay, I was uh, watching it before I left home. It's, yeah. It's yeah. going to be waiting. It's good. It's good. So yeah, I was watching that, but I was also on Twitter. Yeah. Now here's the thing about that. As a result of me being on Twitter and watching the show, I, it looks like I'm going to get to interview a couple of my creative heroes because I put out on there, look, I got time off right now. Yeah. You know, it, it, and put this out to, to my fans like who who wants what do you want me to do like i'll i'll email or call anybody right now i've got time why right. not i can put a, i can produce a podcast a day if yeah, i've got yeah, time yeah. you know sure so i'm not really gonna do that but maybe you know fuck it i've got right. already got like six in the can this is seven yeah. plus a, a couple people said yes so like huge names that have been dream guests said sure. yes that's awesome because of that tool right right and it's like ah oh, well 
I guess I could have just been sitting there doing that work instead of having the show on. Right. And I do feel guilty about it because I'm going to have to go back and rewatch the show now because I do feel bad. This is this beautiful piece of television that I wasn't really paying full attention to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's a I don't know man I, maybe I, maybe this makes maybe it makes me just sound like a grumpy old dude or whatever yeah. but um I feel like I feel like not only are you are people missing you know the television program they're watching or the you know they're not giving their full attention to whatever piece of media they're consuming but also it's it's uh, kind of in the way of interpersonal mm-hmm. communications and just sort of like interaction amongst friends or, yep. or whatever. I pay a lot of attention to it, especially like being out, you know, I was going to say, especially like being out, you know, by myself doing like these solo tours or even with the band or whatever. I'm often in a public setting. Um, I'm often in a public setting and not particularly interacting with anybody. Mm. Right. So just watching people. Interesting. Uh, and it's, it's, it's so bizarre. It's just so bizarre to, for me, or I find it bizarre to be like in a restaurant or a bar and, and just take a quick scan of the room Mm -hmm. and know how many people are sitting with other fucking people (laughs) staring at a screen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're sitting across from a living, breathing human being. Yeah. have a conversation. You know? Yeah. I watched an entire family, <clears throat> an entire family have lunch in Lexington, Kentucky. I watched an entire family sitting at this table. And I mean, the two grandparents, pa- grandparents, parents, and a couple of children, like a six top lunch table. Yeah. Everyone except for the grandfather was staring at a phone. Five out of six people sitting at lunch together with family. Staring at a phone instead yeah. of having a conversation. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm a grumpy old dude. I don't think but you sound I, but like I, a grumpy But I think that's... Dude. No. I, I don't... But dude, here's you know, the challenge. At, at, what, at what point does the tool become a crutch? Right. And, and, and how, here's the, the biggest challenge of that, is that because it's so, it's so inundated in, in our society now that people expect you to have your phone on you. So, like, right. um, a couple years ago... My, I, I, I don't put, I don't buy nice phones. It's not a thing that I do. Right. right? I have an Android that was like 120 bucks and I thought that was too much. Right. 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 So, um, I have this phone. It works fine. I don't need anything more than that. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, would I like to have a nice iPhone? Sure. Because I have a Mac and it's good for the podcast to get good photos and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, phone dies. Right. So my phone dies. And for two weeks, it was in December a couple years ago I didn't have a phone because I was like shopping for the right one and like I didn't know what I was gonna do and um and I was the happiest I've ever been but here's what happened were the first two days weird though the first couple of days yes absolutely but then you get get past that and it's like like if you leave it at home like I've forgotten my phone and then just tap my pocket it's like oh where's my where's 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 it 
Dude, I'm like, I, fuck, it doesn't matter where it is. You don't need it. It doesn't matter. Go I in the bar. This you has know? been years ago, but I spent, in 2009, I spent um, I spent a, a semester in graduate school in Holland, yeah. and I just didn't get a phone when I was over there. Yeah. I was like, fuck it, I'm just not going to have a phone. Sure. Um, and I would feel my leg vibrating even though I didn't have a phone. Oh, weird. Isn't that fucking weird? Yeah. But anyway, what happened this most recent time, two weeks without a phone, is that people would call or text Chris to get a hold of me yeah so that's not fair right like yeah, that's weird because i would love to not have one quite honestly i, I would, would like to have a, a i would love to not a have landline one. <laughs> why not i'm either at work and you can get me by email yeah. i'm at home and you can get me by email yeah i have seven thousand social media accounts right <laughs> like sure it feels like yeah. i'm really damn accessible yeah right mm-hmm. but if i go without a phone chris's life suffers because people expect yeah. you to be accessible Oh, here's a funny, because that is, that's, that's what happens. Uh, so I have the phone it's always on, but I, most of my notifications are off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me too. My, my voicemail is completely full. It's impossible to leave me a voicemail. If voicemail is the only way you have to get in touch with me, you're not trying hard enough because, <laughs> because there are all the other ways. Oh, there, so many ways. Email, you know, like it isn't hard to find a way to get in touch with me. And frankly, I just got tired of listening to, you know, garbage email or garbage right. voicemails right. You know, from telemarketers or drunk friends or whatever. That's you know? funny. So you just intentionally keep it full? <clears throat> yeah, just let it get full. <laughs> so it's been full for years. It's oh, been I several like years. That. But so I'm not, I, tr- I try to make myself not beholden to, to the phone that's in my, po- in my pocket. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of that, some people have figured out I'm difficult to get in touch with. At times, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. My roommate's one of these people. Okay. Uh, on tour, on tour with the band, it was my bass player. Like people who were mutual friends of ours, mm-hmm. uh, or sometimes like sometimes business contacts or whatever, would just blow that guy's phone up yep. because they knew he would check his phone <laughs> more frequently than I would check my phone. It sucks, <laughs> man. Like, Dude, your roommate keeps blowing my phone up because he knows you won't answer. Sucks. <laughs> That the time that I was without the phone, um, and I, what I what I do now is if I'm with her, I leave it here, right? Yeah. If I'm with Chris, I I leave it here. Except for the other night when I had to have it because I was selling art, so I had my square, you know, with me. Um, but other than that, if Chris and I are out to dinner or something, I leave my phone here. Um, but it's if good I'm policy. yeah, it, it it's good. But I wish you know I want her to. I don't want her to go through that, so I do carry it with me, yeah. so she doesn't have to be burdened by it. But when I had when I didn't have it for two weeks, again I'm accessible. Like I'm either here, right, or if I'm not at work, I'm at one of two bars. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And people were actually calling the bar asking for me. That's the that's how it used I, to be. I was late to get a phone. I was late to get it. That's the way it was. Yeah, it was the way it was. My girlfriend owned a beer bar. That's. Mm-hmm. You know, I can. There were many of us who would just take calls. They're like, "Hey, Matt here." They're yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm here. I'll take a phone call. Whatever." Yes, yeah. I mean, I, nothing falls apart. This right. is the other thing I've right. come to have come to realize. Like stressing about whatever, whether it's stressing about whether your phone's on or whether you're missing a text or whether you're missing a notification that somebody likes your thing. You know, yeah, you get a little dopamine when you, you Absolutely. know, whenever those notifications come in. Somebody likes my photograph. <laughs> yeah, it, hell know? yeah. It really is. It's real. It's addictive. It's a real thing. But, like, I don't I don't have any of the notifications. I took the Facebook app completely off of my Me phone. Too. I'd be off of it if, if I didn't play music and it wasn't a necessity. 
but you come to realize like it's you know i I'm still have it on me right now i'm not in that position you were in when you were in holland but yeah uh you know it's not that bad <laughs> everything goes on yeah like if i don't sit up until four in the morning sending booking emails if i turn the computer off and i enjoy a movie and i go to bed and i get at it the next day do it for a few hours shut it down go it down. Go, go outside like read fun. a book from you're not missing nothing, any bookings nothing nothing has changed nothing changed like you're still you know it's fine everything's fine yeah yeah <laughs> and they're they're their kids working their kids working like corporate restaurant jobs communicating like people are by a cell phone I'm like no nah, dude I, I waited tables if i wasn't in that building you're not gonna get a hold of me yeah you're not gonna hold yeah. me nothing's oh that there's no need crazy, for everyone man. to be like yeah 100 like percent accessible right yeah that that because i really like to compartmentalize right so yeah. like i i have this and this is one thing okay and when i'm doing this i'm doing this right um when i'm at my day job i'm at my day job and I don't think about this at all. I'm doing my day job and right. I want to be focused on it because I want to be the best that I can be in that moment. Um, but there's an expectation that people now have that like, even if I'm not at that day job, yeah, right? You're, you're not, still, you're not paying my ass when right. I'm, you know, when I'm off the clock and you're texting me about some shit that's happening at work. Fuck that. I'm with you. You want to buy me a phone that is my work phone to get a hold of me that way? Fine. Yeah. Fine. And, and, and I'll make a decision whether or not to continue that job. Right. 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 right but, right. but that's not, that's not the relationship. This is my personal phone that I just want to be personal. Right. <laughs> right? right. Um, you know, yeah, I'm going to text, uh, if I'm, if I'm meeting up with somebody for an interview, right? Like we've been texting today. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Right. But if it's something that has to do with my day job, fuck that. Right. right. Like leave me alone so I can have this interaction so I can be connected to this person who I'm finding interesting and who I'm learning from. Like I need that moment. And if, if I didn't have a phone and, and people wouldn't expect me to be on, uh, on a tether all the time, right. I could still do all these things. Like right. I, I wouldn't be worse at my day job. I wouldn't be worse at this. I would, no. you know, like I could do all of that. It's just that we have this expectation. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for doing this. This yeah, has been a pleasure. Happy to, be here. <laughs> Happy to be here. This is a blast. Here in this very moment. Yeah, right? this very space. Right? Awesome. I don't even know where my phone is. It's actually right there yeah. on the desk. But <laughs> this has been fun, man. It's been it's been really cool getting to hang the last few days um and uh, getting to know you a little bit. So yeah. um I appreciate it and um let's I I'm sure our paths will continue to cross. Oh, the one thing I didn't get a chance to ask you is yeah. I am curious about your connection to Orlando. Like you're very connected to Orlando. Yeah, I am very connected to Orlando. Uh I started case it's funny, I started coming to Florida um when I in in a band I had, I had a band called Plan A mm -hmm. uh, for a while. <clears throat> and we would we would come to Florida and we would tour in Florida and through that I made some friends. Uh uh, one of one of whom was Larry Fulford. Mm, uh, mm -hmm. He was here in Orlando. A lot of folks will remember Larry. Yeah. Um, Larry was playing in a band called Holidaysburg. Okay. Uh, and then you know there was a, another friend down in um, um, 
Lake Worth, Florida, Pete Stein mm-hmm. had a band called Truck Stop Coffee, and those guys would play. It's a great band name. Kind of like yeah, Central Florida, and we would hook up with those guys and play. And um, eventually, um, eventually, when I made when I <clears throat> after that band broke up, and I was starting to do things under my own name and touring solo, I was still tour down to Florida or whatever, and uh, I invited Larry to record some drums on the first album on the Matt Woods Manifesto album. Mm. So he came up to Knoxville, recorded some drums, and and uh, the next time I was down this way, asked if I wanted him to sit in and play uh, play on the live show. We, we did this two-man thing, and, and then we took the two-man thing and toured with it some. Um, so, you know, that was, that was a little added bonus to come to Florida a little more frequently, you know, because I had... I was I was starting to make buddies here, and and Larry was playing drums with me, and he lived here, and yeah, you know, it was, it was so, that's cool. So it's just been uh, it's just been kind of a it feels like it feels sort of like a second home, especially this month being here for the entire month, of right? March, yeah, yeah. You know, just kind of come down and hang out and and see buddies, you know. That's There's great. A, I have I have as many or more friends in Orlando as I have in Nashville now. Wow, that's know? wild, I moved, man. I moved to Nashville only three and a half years ago. That's great. Yeah. Cool. So. Yeah, I was wondering about that because you're, you're down here a lot, and yeah. I'm glad you are, but it's just I, I didn't know what the connection was. And I, I do think that – A lot of it's just Fulford. Man. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. Know, now, yeah. He's in, now he's in Boston. Ah, uh, <laughs> really? Doing, yeah. I don't know him personally. I just have followed him from afar. Yeah, I was gonna say that's what I think of him as as yeah. a comedian. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He was, he was even you know starting to do that when uh, when we were still working together and and doing some some of those two man tours. He was starting to get out and do like comedy open mics. And he was very very funny. And, yeah, and a great writer. Yeah. Um, so it's really like that seems like it's really taken off for him to the point i think i think he's going to be touring some comedy shows in florida um maybe in april either april or you know assuming right assuming all of the uh all of the bars don't shut down because of covid19 what a crazy time to be having this conversation right right yeah I've just, been, I've just been explaining to people I've had these allergies for, you know, for 40 <laughs> years. Don't don't fear me. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, it's and it's weird because there are no confirmed cases in Orange County. So it's like, there's one? There's one. Oh, no. Yeah. That was, I heard that two days ago. Oh, when, uh, shit. I didn't know that. When, uh, what's your mayor's name? Buddy. Yeah, Buddy uh, Dyer. Buddy Dyer. Yeah, he, he and the county mayor... And a bunch of other important-looking people <laughs> held a held a press conference the other day. Oh, fuck! I didn't know that. Yeah. But yeah, because we've just kind of been going about our business, you know, here in Orlando. Life's mm-hmm. just kind of like going on, and I and I I see everybody around the country really going through it, you know, mm-hmm. and having to stay away from places. But yeah, man, if we My, have Miami confirm. Beach or Miami, I read today, and this will be this will be long past by the time yeah this, yeah this episode is. I know that's interesting. Airs, too. but. Uh, in the news earlier today, I read um, Miami beaches are shutting down. They're shutting down beaches. Wow, that's crazy. That's bizarre. Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird. Uh, it's a weird world we're living in. It this is, is this is definitely uncharted territory. And you know, I have a I have a handful of shows left this month in Florida, and I'm kind of 
you know, and and I'm hoping they all still go through and uh, and happen, you know. But I also want people to be safe, right? And not get sick and right. Uh, so it's just kind of like a, everything's changing on a day to day thing, you know. A couple yeah. of a few days ago, I checked, just sort of like we were supposed to be in Spain, not my band, but I was um, I was supposed to go to Spain with Chris Stalkup and the Grange uh, next month, mid-April, uh-huh. to uh, to tour manage and drive, and oh, do merch cool. and stuff. Uh, and you produced his record, right? I did not. We're just we're just oh, buds. I thought you did. <clears throat> no, that was Jeff Shepard. Oh, uh, okay. Well, so, okay. so here's here's the confusion. All right, Stalka, Chris Stalka will be here on the 23rd to play my Songs Matter right. show. And uh, Jeff Shepard will be here the following there we go. week. Okay, my bad. It's, it's Jeff's record that I produced okay. a few years back, but. Um, but yeah, we're, we, I think that tour's over now. Like Spain's locked down. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, so like, that yeah, sucks. There's, there's I some, love some Spain. <laughs> legit, <clears throat> some legit concerns, Yeah, you know, because it just happened. It happens, you know, it's changing every day. So because, because I've been trying to figure out whether or not that was going to happen, whether or not we were going to be able to do that tour, I've been following the news, um, pretty, pretty closely. Yeah. And in the past two days, the cases in Florida have doubled. Wow. Um, but it's like the fifth most affected state in the country. Oh, right wow. Yeah. It was a hundred and something cases today. Like two days ago, there were 50. Damn, that's crazy. It's really, really bizarre. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And everybody's can everybody's canceling tours and yeah, you know, I hate that, man. I hate that for folks who, down. you know, like uh, uh, my paycheck will, will still come in. You know, yeah. but if, yeah, if yeah. for touring musicians, yeah, uh, it's weird, right? And I'm I'm glad everybody's, you know, I'm gonna do as much as I can to record remotely with people, just right. to just try to help promote as little as you know whatever I can do. Maybe people sell some T-shirts or yeah. something, do you some, know, uh, online concerts or something. You know, right, some right, concerts. Yeah, actually, I I saw uh, I saw some <clears throat> other friends doing that. Some and. I expect there's probably going to be a fair amount of that as people are like losing tours. Yeah. You know, like put together an online, you know, concert, a virtual, virtual concert. Yeah. Yeah. Festival or something like that. That's a wild thought. Yeah. That's, it seems like I read something cool um, about that, or maybe it was just somebody discussing the possibility. It's so hard, man, because like I've watched a few of those and and I do it because I want to support people that I love, you know, but it just it, it there's no way to recreate no, the live experience no, absolutely not. you know and so it's such a bummer um like uh when we were a, a good example i think of this is when we were in the studio on wprk here locally mm-hmm. uh, earlier this week um or last week i had my headphones on and you were playing in studio and so when you played i took my headphones off cuz even just that one little yeah. like you know even though you're sitting right there, yeah. there's a difference between hearing you sing it live when I'm in the room with you yeah. versus if I'm listening to it through the headphones. It's, it you is, know? right? It's weird. It's so weird. Well, dude, this has been a blast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure, dude. Yeah. Thank you. It's a drive through town. Stop and think about it. It'll drive.
Matt Woods, y'all. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you all for listening. TheRealMattWoods.com for physical copies of Matt's work. Uh, y'all, now more than ever is the, the time to buy physical copies from record stores and artists directly. It's so helpful to buy merch from those folks. Um, Matt's latest record is outstanding. It's called Natural Disasters. It's my favorite of his, but you really can't miss. Plus, he's a super nice guy, and I'm sure you can tell that by this talk. Again, I'm so grateful, Matt, for your time and your energy. Appreciate you, brother, and look forward to actually catching up with you in real life again sometime soon and seeing you play those wonderful songs. Uh, Everybody give the Marinade a follow on social media. We're active on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, especially Twitter and and Instagram, uh, and we love interacting with friends and fans of the show. Check out marinadepodcast.com for more Marinade-related content. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community. What's Patreon? Well, it's a place where you can support your favorite creatives. Uh, I post sneak peeks at episodes and bonus content like our Patreon-exclusive show, Jason's Journey, where I talk about the art that is inspiring me at the moment. An example of uh, what you'll get is that Matt Woods and I ended up talking for another hour after the scheduled recording, and that conversation will be released over on Patreon. It's like a whole nother episode with Matt where uh, we just sort of really talked about podcasting at first, and then it kind of went off into random tangents, and it was just a fun conversation. Uh, So that's going to be available to our Patreon patrons, and um, they make a big difference. Uh, Thanks to our patrons, we were able to recently book a ticket, uh, pandemic-dependent ticket, assuming that we're all good by September, and the Rhythm and Roots Festival in Bristol, Tennessee is still on. Um, so many great people are playing that lineup and I'm, I'm really fortunate that our Patreon community helps support, uh, the marinade in, in those endeavors and takes care of the overhead for the show. Every little bit helps y'all. And, um, you know, I'm just really, really thankful for it. If you can swing it, that'd be great. Um, if you can't swing it, I totally get it. Just to give us a, a rating on your podcast app, follow us, uh, like I said, on social media, subscribe on your podcast app just tell a friend about the show if you really like what we're doing word of mouth is probably the best way to spread the word about the show all right y'all it's time for what i'm getting down on the segment of the show where i talk about the art that is inspiring me at the moment last night we watched uh, richard linkletter's film uh bernie jack black plays this charming mortician who is accused of murdering the wealthiest woman in town in the small texas town Um, It is based on a true story and features interviews from actual residents of the town that were were involved in some way or witnessed this whole situation in some way. Um, It's a really heavy film, but it's also hilarious. Um, You know, for whatever reason, we are we are gravitating toward dark comedies lately. I can't imagine why. But that film is great. I highly recommend it. I think I think it came out in 2011. The record I just started listening to in the last couple of days is the latest Future Birds album called Teamwork. I uh, I don't remember when I first got into them. I remember what happened when I first got into them. There was this really cool website, and I wish I could think of the name of it. If I think of it, I'll put it out on Twitter or uh, mention it the next time. But you could download live performances from the Athens, the greater Athens, Georgia area. So there were like this is like oh gosh mid 2000s i guess maybe early 2000s i'm not even sure how long future birds been doing it um maybe a decade maybe longer but 
the um those downloads you could have like old truckers uh drive-by truckers uh whole sets and then like there was one where it was um shauna tucker and and jason isbel at some some club there in athens and it was, seemed like it was just like a random thursday or whatever i have a download of that that's really pretty wild to, to listen to now you know that's way back in the day when he was still uh in the truckers and um he plays a couple songs that i don't think show up anywhere else there's one about one called crystal clear i don't know if y'all have ever heard it but i don't know if he if he even plays it or at all now but um that particular set is really cool anyway i'm, I'm doing y'all a disservice by not remembering the name of that website but but that's how I got into Future Birds. And um, they are the kind of band that I feel like is always kind of in the background for me. And I I always, every time I hear their name or I see they're on a bill, I always think, oh, I got to get back into them. They're so good. And then I don't. So I'm glad I did this time. This is a great record. It's a little more, um, I think, a little bit more musically adventurous than their other stuff, uh, which is not to say that their other stuff isn't um, incredibly valuable because it is. I just think that they are such a quintessentially cool band and, and they kind of um, embody what I think of when I think of the um, the sort of ideal of Athens uh, music. So check that out, the new Future Birds. I think it came out in January of this year. Um, also, this is less artistic than social, I guess. Um, not necessarily political, but more social. And um, I'm interested to have this conversation with folks to kind of learn a little bit more about how people are thinking. Um, I've been really curious about universal basic income for a while, but especially lately, I know it's not the same thing, but the stimulus check hit today as I'm recording this. And, um, you know, I just started thinking about it and I was like, if you're in a position where you have a salary coming in and you get that check, that just adds a huge uh, kind of peace of mind, right? So now you're just less worried about paying your bills if you're someone who is dependent on gigs and dependent on, or dependent on tips or any number of kind of transactional um uh reliances that you might have in in, in the american economy and you had a grand coming in every month it would not fix your problems by any means obviously but how much easier life would not easier how much more manageable life would be for an artist, right? If they could, if they could have, they could rely on, all right, at least I know I'm going to be able to feed myself kind of thing, you know? And I know that a lot of folks are, are beyond that, but still it's just such thin margins for people who, who choose the creative life, um, for so many and for so many that I love. And the other thing I was thinking about, and this article I read in Wired, which I posted on Twitter and I recommend you checking out um, because it, it really succinctly lays out both sides of the debate uh, for and against universal basic income. But it really made me think about like that little bit of peace of mind and how valuable it is to have peace of mind financially, even if it's not comfort per se, just easing the tension of each month's bills or each couple of weeks bills and how if you were a, a touring musician or if you were a visual artist or a writer and you were just barely getting by financially and you knew that was coming in I feel like that would free up I think for a lot of folks that would free up a lot of creative capital 
because you would not have that same stressor. And I know like speaking personally, I know I do my best work if I'm taking care of myself, if my anxiety is low, if I'm living a healthy lifestyle, and if I don't have to worry about stuff like that. Um, we're, we're not going to be able to eliminate financial worry for artists uh, ever, I don't think, but something like that could go a long way. And um, it's something I think we need to, need to explore a little bit further. Of course, Andrew Yang um, famously was running for president uh, in large part based on that concept um, and really gained a lot of traction. But now that we see what's going on with our economy during the COVID-19 crisis, uh, it, this may be an opportunity to at least try. You know, it's not going <laughs> to... It's not going to destroy us to to try universal basic income. I don't think that's the case, but I like the fact that it it allows for people to get a little bit of help, but also maintain um, their dignity without the stigma that is unnecessarily attached to some other government programs. Um, but also with the agency to be able to do what they think is right for themselves and their families. I guess I didn't mean that to be a political rant. It's more of a social uh, observation. And if you have any good articles or books uh, about universal basic income that you recommend, please send them my way. way. Um, I would love to to have a more robust discussion about it rather than just me talking at you. I thank you all so much for listening. I thank you all so much for all your support. Thank you again to Matt. Everybody continue to please take care of yourselves. If you can do it, go out and create something. If not, that's cool too. Until next time, cheers, y'all.